What's going on, guys? AJ here bringing you yet another episode of the E1B2 Collective Podcast and bringing you yet another special episode, a behind-the-scenes peek into Beyond Resume underneath of the um, underneath of the overall banner, Monday Anticipation, which you guys know houses Beyond Brand and Beyond Resume. So I'm not going to do too much talking. This is an exclusive episode. I think you guys will enjoy this. You guys will be getting a behind-the-scenes look, a detailed look at what exactly goes into the overall beginning of the facilitation process of the core 18 guys i love it the client i believe loved the experience and if you guys listen closely you will be getting a really good inside look a little bit of a sneak peek into how to think about each and every component of the core 18 i appreciate you guys i appreciate my client i appreciate everyone that appreciates the points of views that i share and uh yeah i'm done ranting let's get into the show So I guess what I can do is I can start with the very first one. So if you see here, and this is pretty standard, but there's a slight difference. So when I say contextual financial needs, and you can read this briefly here, and again, I'll send this over to you once once we wrap up. But um, when you see contextual financial needs, I want you to think about contextually to your current lifestyle and desires. So oftentimes, as professionals and as employees, what we do is we think about what we need financially in in this in this category in this bucket of okay what does linkedin say that we deserve to get paid or what's the industry standard i don't want you to think about that i don't want you to think about contextually to your lifestyle to your situation maybe you have a partner maybe you have kids maybe you're trying to help with your mother's um situation your father's situation maybe you you are really trying to double down on your school debt Maybe um, you just have a personal desire to save a lot more income uh, over the next 18 to 24 months. Maybe there's something that you want to dive into professionally um, from like a professional development standpoint that costs a lot of money. Whatever your reason is, frankly, I don't think you, I don't think anyone needs to know besides yourself, but that number is contextual to you, not contextual to the industry. Got Um, it. So that's the first, that makes sense? That does make sense. And so the, the thoughts that are being dropped down here, is it all of that? Or is it like, this is the salary figure? Or is it more minute than that? Break Everything. Just your okay. first, yeah, just your first reaction and brain dump when you look at this. Okay. Yep. The second thing that we're going to go over is ideal workflow desires and structures. So uh, another one. What's what's really important when you think about how you are showing up within the workplace and whatever you do, there's a certain workflow that you have. There's a certain uh, workflow that you appreciate. I know some folks like a certain process of how they execute a task. Some folks have a desire to have influence around how they get their work done. You know, I know there are certain professionals out here that are more excited about the final outcome AKA they actually want to come up with their own structure of how they get to that outcome versus following a blueprint. Um, And so I think, again, if you really read this and break, break it down of what I said here, I think when we look at executing a task within any given role, there's a a certain step-by-step process that we all know and love and appreciate, but maybe as you've gone through your years of being a professional, Maybe you figured out and found a couple different ways to do a certain job or a task more efficiently 
Thus, I think it's really important for you to articulate that to an employer or at least figure out how they want to how they want you to go about the role and, and figure out if it matches matches with the way that you want to go about, about the role. Um, okay. I know it's a little bit weird, but this comes up a lot if you really, really think about it. So um, jot down your first reaction thoughts. I'll give you a slight example. I know for me, you know, as a as a you know, as an internal head of people, there are certain things that folks do that are by the book when it comes to benefits or when it comes to employee one on ones or when it comes to, um, you know, succession planning, whatever it's going to be. Um, I have a certain way that I like to go about it. And that workflow was actually super important for me that I that I have the right to be flexible with that workflow versus um, me listening to an organization and doing it the exact way that they're asking me to. Um, so, again, this may or may not be a big desire for you. This this is, again, contextual to everyone. This may or may not be a non-negotiable, but um, this is something I wanted to get in front of you as well. I love it. All right. Okay. Um, direct report communication style. This is a really big one as well. I think, yeah. yeah, I think we all know and love certain communication styles from our direct reports, AKA our bosses. And I think if we can think about the last five to 10 years of our career, we all probably have moments and examples where we can look at the styles, the preferences, the moments, and like pick out examples around, um, around the times where our bosses really engaged us and communicated to us in a way that was pleasant, that was exciting, that was uh, impactful. And then I'm sure we can come up with examples of ways and moments where it was not very exciting. It was not very pleasant. It was not very impactful. And so I think, again, with this one, I think it's very contextual to you. That's the whole point of this. But even beyond that, what I want you to think about when it comes to the communication style and the, and the communication preferences, I think it's really, really, really impactful and important to unpack and understand exactly to the T um, how you now at 29 really want your leader to communicate to you, to motivate you, to inspire you, to educate you, to support you. Um, and I think, you know, understanding the cadence of how much you want them to be involved and speak to you. And, and again, the language they use and, and, and their tonality and all these things are so vital and important. And um, again, it's just important to communicate this and really figure out if an employer can respect and understand that um, or, if, or if they have other other ambitions around that. Yeah. Makes sense? I will not be surprised if that's one of the deal breakers. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. So career mapping. This is also another one here. Um, career mapping is something that I think a lot of folks sometimes think about, but are not putting enough non-negotiable focus on this. For me, this is the most important one. Let me break down exactly what I mean. Um, when you are when you are professional inside of an organization, at times, what you have is you have a certain expectation around how quickly you'll move up the ranks of the organization. You have a desire around the role that you want to have, the task that you work on, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, an employer, they already know what they can or cannot do when it comes to career mapping, aka growing within that role, growing to another role. Maybe, maybe you have a desire to try multiple roles 
it's really important as you go into this next employer to figure out exactly where you want your career to be at the end of the road. So when you look back at your career at 45 or 50 or 60, or even when you look at the next five years of your career, what tasks do you need to do? What roles do you need to have? What do you want to be involved in? And you have to articulate that to an employer to see if they have the means and the flexibility to support those things or if they have the structures to uh, make those things come true. Now, again, for many, this is a non-negotiable when I actually break it down. And it's, and it's a subtle one because most people don't think about it as much as I believe they should think about it. Um, so I wanted to also put this in your ear as well. Okay. What are your thoughts on that one? Um, it's a, that one's interesting for me because uh, in my current position at a nonprofit, there is zero growth opportunity. And that has never bothered me because it's been so ingrained that that's not why we're there. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see if when I'm given the freedom to explore that mentality, if it's something that I actually value or not. Yeah. For the past six years I have, I've been trained not to. So it's interesting. When I'm off on my own in a different environment, that could, maybe that will change. I don't know. And that's what I was going to say. You know, this could or could not be a non-negotiable for you. The reason why I think in most cases it is, it, most cases it is because I think the nonprofit world is an example, but I think even, you know, the regular corporations out here in the for-profit organizations, this happens as well. And what I mean by that is just as employers, I mean, as employees, rather, I think we all have a somewhat of an idea of what we think we want to be in our careers. But what we don't do is I don't think, number one, and this is just standard, I don't think enough people really sit down and like flush out like exactly how their career is going to go and all the all the certifications, courses, ancillary skills, roles, experiences, mentors, all the things that they need to be able to get to that goal. They never really break it out like that. That's true. And then what they and then the second thing that they often don't do is they don't go to an employer and say, "Hey, you see this little note, like you see this little plan that I have written out here?" Can you guys support me in any of these areas here? Um, Because this is very important to me. What they often do is what you kind of just alluded to. They get us out of an organization. They're a big fan of the organization. They believe in the organization. They've been taught and educated to be a team player, be bought into the culture, um, be bought into a, a bigger system. Thus, they pick their heads up four years later and there's been no movement. Yeah. So something to think about. Yeah, absolutely. I will think on that one. Um, skill development. Again, something that's very important. I believe it is I believe it is both the employees, but I also believe it is it is an employer's responsibility to help folks grow from a skill perspective. So again, connected to your long term goals and passions, you may have an idea around where you want to be from a skill perspective. Things you may want to be able to execute, um, you know, strategies you may want to be able to execute and present later on down your career. Um, maybe it's technical skills, right? Maybe it's, you know, I don't know. Again, it's all contextual to what you yeah. do and what you care about. But um, you should potentially, if it's important to you, have a certain 
perspective on the skills that you want to develop. And I believe it is very important for you to articulate to uh, articulate that to an employer and see what they are going to do on your behalf to help you develop and gain those skills. Okay. Yeah, that one sounds fun. I'm excited for that one. Good. Internal communication needs and preferences, which is very similar to the leadership communication piece that we already went down, but it's I'll, I'll expand a little bit deeper. If you look here, it says leadership communication, inspiring teams, decision-making, alignment, um, all those things are really vital. So let me give you a couple of practical examples. Here's one example. When you have a boss and out of nowhere, the boss changes up the entire plan of what, you, what you've been doing. So let's say you've been working on a project for three weeks. Out of nowhere, he or she changes the entire plan. They send you an email um, at nine o'clock at night and throws everything off for you. That for me would not throw me off personally too much because I've I'm been in such a, you know, I've been ingrained in such the, the, the startup culture. For some people, that is not a good internal communication practice. For some people, they're like, hold on, what just happened here? Like, I've been, in, I've been working on this project for three weeks. I've been excited about this. I've been, I've been deep diving into this. Now you're switching everything up on me on the job of a dime. That is, not, um, that is not acceptable. That is making me not like this company as much. That is making me not like you as much. That means I'm not going to be as good of an employee. Um, so that's one example. Another example is like, you know, how much, how, how involved are you with decisions? For instance, there may be things that are going on within your organization that you're working for that impact you. How much do you want to be privy to those decisions before they actually happen? How much autonomy do you want to have and, 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 and raising your hand to say, hey, I have an opinion about this, right? Like how much is, how much is that important to you? So yeah. that's kind of what I mean by internal communication needs and preferences, how much, how often do you want to hear from your leaders around decision making, around tasks and projects and all these other things that impact your experience operationally? Mm-hmm. Make sense? Yes, it does make sense. Cool. That one will probably be a big one for me too. Good. Another thing here, this is two part. Um, contextual, yeah, it's a lot here. Um, contextual learning and development style. And uh, projects and tasks that the job seeker must work on, a.k.a. connected to the future career mapping goal. So this is, again, another contextual one. As an employer, it is I mean, as an employee, rather, it is incredibly important to understand your learning and development style. Um, So that's number one. Once you do that self-assessment and like that, that self-awareness exercise to understand your learning and development style. Now let's figure out how important it is for you connected to the other tab that we just had recently. When it comes to skill development, how important is it for you to articulate to your direct report, a.k.a. your manager? Hey, here's how I learn. Here's exactly how I develop. Can you support that? Can you adjust your style to that? I think a lot of like, for example, a lot of companies have like like stipends where they're like, hey, we'll send you to go do a course here or we'll send you to go do a course there or whatever the case is. And I know for me, if I go back in house, I'll say, hey, guys, I don't want you to send me to a course. I'm looking for a direct report, a manager, someone in this company to sit down with me once a month for 90 minutes and have a Q&A session. That's how I learn best. Or, hey, 
I don't want to even do that. You know what I want to do? Once a quarter for a couple weeks here at a time, maybe I want to jump into a completely different department and just be a fly on the wall for a couple days and just take notes and just ask questions and just and just follow around and shadow. That's the best. That's the way I learn best. So number one, you got to understand how you learn and develop best. Number two, how important is it for you to tell that to your employer so that when they try to put you in learning and development moments, you're not forced to do it in the way that they want you to do it. Um, yeah. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Thank good. you for the examples too. Those help. Good, good, good. And then with the project tasks, um, I think also we all know the the projects and the tasks and the things that we love to do and or that we need to continue to do to get better. And I believe it is incredibly important for you to articulate that to an employer. I really, 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 really do. Um, If you have a career goal in mind, bottom line, objectively, there are things that you must do and get better at and work on and tasks you must work on in order to have the opportunity and the shot to get there. That is a super objective for anybody that does anything professional in this life, in this world, rather. Um, And it may or may not be a non-negotiable for you to go to your employer and say, hey, you see these four things here? At some point in the next two years here, I need to do these things in some way, shape, form or fashion or some capacity. And that may be a non-negotiable for you because your career goal is very important to you. Your career mapping goal and opportunities and, and perspective is very important to you. Um, and so it may be very important for you knowing that you have to do these three things to tell your employer, like, I have to work on these things. Like, this is not a game. <laughs> um, so that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Good, good, good. So for both of those, the leadership and development and the tasks there, I write a bullet point with a story or so or two for each thing. Yep. And, and again, just, just honestly, just vent, look at this as a diary, like just, okay. Yes, seriously, right? Like, just look at it and just start writing. Just start spitting out your thoughts. Um, And if you write, write, you know, if you type out more than this in this, that's in this page here, um, just send me a separate email. Like, just start getting out all of your thoughts around this because I really want to know what, I I, I just want you to shoot from the hip. I feel like when you shoot from the hip and and you just speak from the heart, the most authentic truths come out. Okay. Makes sense? Yes, it does. I'm glad you said that. Good. Um, real life support, awareness, um, needs, contextual moments. This is very, very, very important. These examples are important. So let me give you a little bit of a sample and a taste to what how employers think. Okay. Since I am an employer, I've been an employer. Most employers, not me because I'm an amazing employer. <laughs> most employers uh, are selfish. And rightfully so. I don't believe right, for, rightfully so. When I say rightfully so, I have empathy. I understand, right? They're selfish in these areas. They need things to get done. They have their own goals. They have, you know, let's look at the tangible world. Let's say there's organizations out here that have physical buildings. They have leases to pay. They have, you know, you know overhead. They have partnerships, they have deals, they have responsibility, they have things they need to get done. And they are looking to you guys as employees to help them accomplish those goals. And that's a lot of pressure. And so 
let's break down these examples here. At times, at times, they don't want to hear anything from you around what's happening in your personal life. They just want you to show up and get the job done. That's how a lot of employers think. They say they care. They probably do. But in, in, in most of the examples that I'm giving and the way the world really is set up, they need you to be there. That's why they have PTO policies. That's why they have other policies around no, no, no. Uh, uh, what is it called? I'm sorry. I'm blanking here. Um, oh, man. What is it called here? Um, when you don't show up, when you don't show up for work and you get a, you get written up and. Um, oh, um. Uh, I don't know. I'm blanking here. It doesn't matter. I would just call it getting written up. I don't know. Yeah, but but that's why they had those policies in place. Yeah. Yeah, that's why they have those policies in place. They have policies in place because they cannot tolerate your real life getting, you know, let's just call it what it is, ruining their real life, which is the business. So here's what I like to do. I like to go to an employer and say, hey, Here's a breakdown of my real life needs, moments, and realities. So let's get into these examples. Mm-hmm. Family needs that may, that may financially make your needs higher, right? Family needs that may, that may make your workflow needs be a bit out of the box. Let's stick with that one for a minute. Let's say the traditional workflow is you have to show up at a meeting at this time. The meeting is done at X time. You have to then go and work on this project and communicate to that person. You have to do that physically in the office between this, these dates and that date. Like it's workflow, like structured process. But maybe there are things happening in your family life. And I think COVID-19 is a perfect example of this that companies now realize that maybe you need a little bit more flexibility, fluidity within how you get things done. So maybe instead of having your video on doing a meeting, working virtually, Maybe you turn your video off and maybe you don't have to actively be in the meeting. Maybe you can just listen passively and send over your thoughts via email. See what I'm saying? Because you have to get your, your son or your daughter or your family members to a certain activity. Now, that's in the COVID example, but that's an example of what I mean when I say adjusting your, your workflow contextual to your family. If you look here, say that again. I said that makes sense. A hundred percent. Um, mental health, another example, right? Like there are a lot of things that are happening in this world where maybe every four to six weeks we need a break. Mm-hmm. Maybe we need, maybe, and you know, maybe that is part, part of what you put in place. Every four to six weeks, I want to take out half, half of Friday. I want to get a massage. I want to go for a hike. I want to spend some time with my partner. I just need to check out. Um, Work-life balance needs. I just mentioned days off at the very bottom here. So real-life support, pretty much as you see, is paint a picture for your employer how your real life is set up. Also, you know, I can give you an example with me. Every, I'll give you, I'll give you a perfect example right now. Um, I, I, I've been, I was recently engaged. And um, did you know that actually? No, I didn't know that. Oh, okay. Well, now you know. <laughs> um, I was recently engaged and um, we just got a little bit of bad news on the planning of the engagement. I'm starting to get some energy now, but when we first got on this call, my energy was not high. 
but I think I kicked it in. I think you would agree, hopefully. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but the rest of my day, um, my fiance is not doing well right now. Um, she's a little emotional and I get it. And I may restructure my day right now, contextual to that. Um, that may not work for some employers. That may work for some employers. So that's what I mean. That is a real life situation that has thrown my energy off. I want to show up best for my employees, partners, folks. And if I was an employee, I would want to know if that example or if those types of moments my employer would appreciate. Some employers do, some employers don't. So that's what I mean. Yeah, I'm following completely. Perfect. Um, expectations of direct report. Um, we're going to kind of push through these now. Expectations of direct report. This is another one here. Um, I think as, a, you know, as an employee, you have direct reports. You have the right and you should be thinking about what you expect from them. So if you get into this, read this paragraph here. I'm not going to give you too much context on it yet. I really want you to shoot from the hip, but um, I'll give you a couple, you know, how they recognize you, how they communicate to you is another one. Again, like we already talked about how they support you within your career. Um, how often do you guys have one-on-ones? How much do they just, again, overall, like really support your learning and development styles, your communication preferences? Like, what do you need from your leader, from your boss? to make you a better employee. You've been, an, you've been a professional long enough where you probably have a point of view on that. Make sense? Yeah. Yes, it does. Good. Day-to-day uh, -day culture needs. I'm gonna go through this one really fast. This is just, just write down and brain dump. What will be the perfect experience? And when I say cultures, what's exactly what you're thinking. Just the vibes, the energy. Yeah. Are you getting along with everybody? Do you want to actually have friends or do you more like a solid person where you kind of just want to duck off in your own world? Um, just the culture. Just just write down and unpack the environment. Another thing also, actually, that's a lot, that's a little bit not clear that I want to expand on. You know, are you seeking a high, high pace, high pressure environment? Are you seeking an organization that's a little bit more established where you're just... You're just one of the guys, just one of the gals, just, just one of the people that are just doing a day-to-day -day task. Um, or are you looking for a, an environment where every single decision, every single task you're making, you're making with two other or three other folks around you, and you guys are like a really high-performing team, you're working on really important things, there's a lot of pressure, but you all are, you know, bought in and excited. Like, what type of environment are you looking for? Yeah. Ooh, that one's going to be fun. Yep. Um... Leadership, performance, and coaching, again, do's and do nots when it comes to coaching. So now you've articulated to your direct report and your manager what you need from them when it comes to leadership, when it comes to communication, when it comes to all these things. Now you've articulated, like, here's the type of leader I want you to be. Now what you do is you get even more detailed. Here's some of the do's and do nots when it comes to development and coaching, Right. Here's some here's some examples of how I want you to push push me hard. Here's an example of what it looks like to push me a little too hard. Here's an example of what it looks like to really support me and give me give me give me some space to figure things out. Here's an example of what it looks like to give your, of you giving me too much space. So again, really thinking about some of the tactical support that will enable you to be at your most optimal performance and your most optimal um, level as an employee. Got it. Makes sense? It does. 
good. All right, my employee one-on-one needs, we briefly touched over that already. Um, every, every leader should be giving you a one-on-one, but it is on you, in my personal opinion, to figure out, do you want one-on-ones every week? Do you want one-on-ones every other week? Do you want one-on-ones only doing once a quarter? What do you want to talk about doing those one-on-ones? How long do you want those one-on-ones to be? So again, these may or may not be non-negotiables for you, but these are important. Um, this is your time to now sit face-to-face with your direct report in a potentially non-structured, laid-back environment where you guys can dive into anything. Maybe you just want to talk. Maybe you want to talk about a certain project. Maybe you want to talk about your performance. Maybe you want a little bit of a blend of all three. Like, what are you looking for? Yeah. Rewards and recognition. Again, this is a very important one as well. When you are rewarded, when they congratulate you, when they, um, maybe you have a role that has a bonus structure, explain exactly what you're looking for from a rewards and recognition standpoint. This is pretty straightforward. Got it. Do I need to expand it a little bit or? No, I don't think so. I think I can do that one. Okay. Change management communication needs. We kind of talked about this a little bit before. Change happens in a lot of organizations. How do you personally want to be communicated to about that change? Do you prefer a random phone call in the middle of the night? Do you prefer an email? How much pro how much how, how proactive do you desire or need them to be? Do you um, are you looking for are you looking for your manager to get your thoughts on the change? Are you looking are you someone that doesn't really need any any kind of update around your perspective? You just want to kind of jump in and do your part. What are you looking for when it comes to being involved in change, being communicated to about change? Because um, at the end of the day, what I want you to think about also with this is there's a threat and there's a positive response in the brain at a neuroscience level. Okay. Everything that happens around communication will either will either ignite the threat or ignite the, po- uh, or, or the reward. The threat makes you makes you cripple, makes you makes you weak, makes you afraid, makes you not as productive, a.k.a. Again, like I said, maybe a phone call at nine o'clock at night while you're trying to enjoy uh, a TV show of of, a a rerun of Friends is not the best time to reach out to you. Right. Mm -hmm. Maybe that will completely throw off your night and put you in a just in a in a in a in a whirlwind of thoughts. And that's not good for you. Maybe you don't want that. But maybe in the past you've had that. Or maybe again, there's a big change that's happening and it's coming up down the road. But you're the type of person that says, you know what, leader, let me know about the change now. Like, tell me what's happening. Tell me what you're thinking. How can I help? I, I'm the type of person where I need to know well in advance. Right. Um, super important. That's good. So it sounds like that's both um, change for like projects and also change in the organization as a whole. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Decision-making preferences, again, decision-making is so important. Are you the type of person, now this is going to be pretty black and white here. Are you the type of person that someone tells you what to do, you just did get it done? Or are you the type of person when you have a lot of thoughts or perspectives around decision-making and structures, aka you want to be heavily involved in how decisions are made and um, you, you would like to have your voice heard about those? 
Again, this may or may not be a non-negotiable. For many, it is. For many, it's not. For me, it definitely is. Um, I'm not sure about... And again, this is contextual to you right now in your career at 29, as well as the future roles you may be getting involved in. Maybe, and, and you can even get down into some details around, you know, here are some examples of decisions that I actually want to be involved in. Maybe here's some examples of decisions that just let me know what I need to do and I'll do it. Meeting structures. We've all been a, a part of bad meetings. Oh, yes. This is a big one. <laughs> it always is a big one. So I, I probably don't need to go into this. So meeting structures. I'm just going to move on past this. Everyone. and But this is important, though. Do not be afraid to articulate and design exactly the type of meetings that you are looking for. And then what you'll do is in the actual interview, you'll ask them, like, hey, walk me through like, kind of what your typical meeting structure is. You know what your answer is already in your head of what you're looking for. You don't have to put them on this. That's the biggest thing I want to say here. What I'm, I'm not asking you to put any employer on the spot and to change everything for you. Okay. All I'm asking you to do is to know who you are and to know what you expect and just to extract what the company has in place and see if there's a match. Uh, that's a good, that's a good point. Got it. Cause I think when a lot of people, hear me and they hear my excitement and my energy they're like oh my gosh you're like such this like strong bravado guy like you you probably come in there what's that i said you are well i i appreciate that but i think they're like oh you probably come in there with such this energy and i'm like actually not i actually just know exactly what i'm looking for and i just ask really good probing questions connected to my core 18 because i already know the answers that, that are in my head and so I don't want to put any company in a spot where they need to be forced to change anything. Mm-hmm. I just want to see if what, because what's going to happen, here's the biggest thing. What's going to happen is if they start changing on your behalf, they may build some resentment. Yeah, that's true. They may look at you as someone that's a liability. They may call you needy. I don't want you to have to deal with any of that, that BS. Just understand who you are and find a company that's going to support who you are because they already have structures in place that fit you. Yeah. It's very similar to dating. <laughs> that's a, all right. Yeah. I see it. It's a good example, right? It is. Good. Um, this is the last one here. Last one. Onboarding needs. This is a big one as well if you really think about it. Some organizations rush onboarding. There's certain, you being an employee, think about this, this is important. You being a professional, you know, anytime you get a new role, there's, there's, a, there's a checklist that you probably haven't put in place, but I want to help you, you should now. I need to talk to this person. I need to know about this thing. I need to learn about this thing. I need a little bit more context in this area. Once I'm in the actual onboarding, how much flexibility do I have to raise my hand and say, can I get another three days in this category? Can I ask a few more questions? Is it okay if I don't know everything? Do I need to know every, you know, you see what I'm saying? Like there are certain things in the onboarding process that we can do that will make us very, very comfortable and, and, and allow us to be super prepared to take on the role in a full capacity. Mm-hmm. Lots of employees are afraid to articulate what they are looking for and they just go with the flow. 
And again, like I said, I'm not asking any company to change. Unpack your onboarding preferences and needs for yourself. And then in an interview, say, walk me through kind of, you know, if this all works out, walk me through the onboarding process. Walk me through if this all works out and I get hired. What's my, you know, how long is it going to be? Who am I going to talk to? Who am I going to chat with? What am I going to learn? What am I going to experience? And just keep asking probing questions. They'll unpack for you what that looks like. Got it. And that's it. Oh, that was 18. Okay. Yep. Woo. How does that sound? That sounds great. So um, you're going to send me the document and then I'll fill it out. Yep. And then I e- do I email it back to you? And then I forget. We have another. We have a longer call where we kind of unpack this. Right? Unpack so, all of it. Yep. Okay. Yep. Is that kind of like we talk through it and I share and expound upon the bullets that I wrote down and then you like what's the structure of how that goes? Yep. So once I see all of your context, exactly what you said is the next step. Once I see all of your context and all of your data, then we're going to go really deep and I'm going to ask you probing questions. We're going to really figure out, okay, what are the actual, um, out of the 18, what are actually a non-negotiable for you? Is it six of them, four of them, 17 of them? What, you know, what is it? I hope it's not 17. That would be very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a little tough, huh? Oh, yeah. But no, this sounds great. I'm excited to dig into it. Perfect. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for taking time this morning to walk me through it, especially amidst everything you had thrown your way this morning. <laughs> <laughs>